it is just for me the most powerful way of working with myth and archetype is to use them to bring our own psyche into balance mm. by gathering those fragmented parts of the self that are so evident in that ancient isis osiris mythos um, of the resurrection and you know gathering those fragmented parts of our psyche bring loving them back into wholeness um in as opposed to what patriarchal society um, expects of us which is to completely reject us for them you know and to deny them mm -hmm. and the more we deny them and are ashamed of them the louder they're going to shout so mm -hmm. um for me this you know this path of the Avalon Rose is very much a reclamation of our own uh psyche of our own fragmented parts that patriarchal society have banished basically mm -hmm. hello everyone and welcome to the cyclical living podcast a podcast that will inspire and empower you to live your full, cyclical, soulful life. I am Sara Dusilara, founder of the Wild Rose Mystery School, a place dedicated to reawakening the wild, cyclical ways of our earth, body, and soul. Enjoy this episode, my love. Annabelle de Boulay is an entrepreneur, author of The Serpent's Tale, speaker, transpersonal therapist, coach, priestess of the Avalon Rose lineage, and the founder of the Avalon Rose Chapel. Annabelle is an academic who has conducted in-depth studies of the Rose lineage, and she also possesses a deeply lived experience of the repeated Sophianic descent and ascent of her soul through her journey as a mother, caring for and nurturing her children who were born with life-threatening conditions. She has transformed her profound pain and suffering into a source of empowerment. Annabelle now guides women onto the path of the Avalon Rose lineage with a vision of healing and empowerment. Her aim is to help women discover the light within their darkest stories of survival, enabling them to tap into the power of their inner warrior and manifest their fullest potential. Welcome to a new episode of the Cyclical Living Podcast, and today's guest is Annabelle de Boulay. And I'm so, so, so happy to have Annabelle with me because she is also one of my main teachers. Um, I well, I opened season two with interviewing Holly Hamilton, but Holly and Annabelle, they really open up this whole world of priestess magic and um, just amazing mess <laughs> for me um, as I joined their uh, joint program the queens of the round table and that for me it just initiated me into you know finally I found a path in the spiritual community where I felt at home because before I did it in shamanism but that didn't feel like mine and also it was not my culture you know as a as a western person but then also like the druid path which really speaks to me and its own wasn't enough and that's where annabelle really opened up to me the world of the gnosticism and christianity in its purity and its truth and for me that was you know my whole journey with annabelle doing her priestess course the queen's round table then doing the practitioner um right so i did and the rose moon i think i've, I've done almost everything that annabelle has to offer um and to me it just it brought me back to my lineage also from the christian heritage as 
being from Flanders, but in a way where it really was seeing the beauty in it and um, like going through all the distortions that the Catholics have put on and the Catholic Church and the Roman Church has put on. And that really is Annabelle's work. And so I'm really happy to have her on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. And it, well, it is such a joy and a privilege and honor as ever to speak with you. And I just love walking this Avalon Rose path with you. So thank you, darling. Yeah, you're so, so welcome. And that's when you said Avalon Rose path. And that is actually the reason why I really loved um, having you on or, or I love uh, inviting you or I wanted to invite you to this podcast because um, you are a priestess of the rose, high priestess of the rose. And I studied with you as well to be a priestess of the rose. And the rose lineage is the movement that the planet Venus makes and then how humanity since a very, very long time, you know, Sumeria, but probably older, um, has traced that movement of the Venus planet and how the story that she plays out in the sky also plays out the story of our soul and our life walk. And so that is another cycle, another way of cyclical living. And I think with the rose path as well, it's very hyped right now. But I also feel when I read a lot of stuff on Instagram, for, for example, about the rose path is that often um, the depth of um, that whole cyclical journey is not always present. And I feel in your um your teachings, your style, your posts, everything that you offer, it is all about the depth. <laughs> so yeah, I actually wanted to maybe start at the beginning for all those who don't know what the rose lineage is and what being a priestess of the rose means and the Venus cycle. And if you could explain that a little bit for the listeners um, who are, uh, you know, curious. Okay, so, okay, let me start at the beginning. But like you say, there is kind of, there is no beginning. Because uh, when we, when, when we're studying um, the Rose lineage, really the roots, of course, begin way back at the beginning of time in Africa with that original Black African ancient Mother Earth goddess. And then her teachings were taken via Mount Sinai, um, over to uh, ancient Mesopotamia, as you mentioned, ancient Sumeria and Babylon. And then we can track how these teachings and this mythos uh, flows down through the millennia, through the ancient Judaic culture, ancient Egypt, ancient Greco-Romano, until it arrives in the early Christian Gnostics. And they then bring those teachings back to Glastonbury, um, where I live in the Avalon Rose Chapel in the Summerlands. Um, but there they weave with the pre-existing uh, Celtic Druidic teachings. And of course they share the same roots in ancient Neolithic uh, Britain and in our megalithic culture. And more recently, archeologists have been reinterpreting their discoveries in the burial mounds here or what were assumed to be burial mounds, and then actually stripping back uh, that um, idea of, of, of their function to their origins, which was as resurrection chambers that were aligned to the heliacal rising of Venus and to the heliacal rising 
of Sirius and to the winter solstice uh, sunrise. And uh, that's when you start to see how this root of um, our ancestors worshipping the cycles of Venus and of Sirius and the solar and lunar actually have this mutual, very ancient root. Um, and there's a wonderful book on the Glastonbury Zodiac um, where the author Mary actually explores this idea that maybe um, the name for Sumeria came from the Summerlands in Somerset. So there's this wonderful weaving of the origins of the Rose teachings and then the Celtic Druidic teachings that in that um, time of the early Christian Gnostics really comes together very, very powerfully here in Glastonbury Avalon um, when Joseph of Arimathea is believed to have brought uh, Mother Mary, Magdalena and uh, the Holy Grail, her child Sarah with Yeshua um, to Glastonbury where they are believed to have uh, built the very first chapel um, that was dedicated to the Magdalene um, and its foundations were discovered beneath Glastonbury, where Glastonbury Abbey lies and and that's where I founded the very first Avalon Rose Chapel which was formerly known as the Glastonbury Rose Chapel, Gnostic Chapel, um, as close to those foundations, that sacred site of that original chapel. So we can see archaeologically how these lineages were so influenced by our ancestors' veneration for the cycle of Venus and Sirius. Um, and as you've said, Venus in her eight-year cycle creates this incredible rose, and deep inside this rose are five pentagrams, five pointed stars. Um, and this is then the foundation for the earliest mythos um, that was written down in ancient Sumeria of the descent of Inanna and her ascent out of the underworld, uh, down those seven gates, and then coming back up those seven gates. And this is the primary myth for me of the Rose lineage, which is that very, very ancient um, descent of the soul and ascent of the soul, which the later, for example, Cretan Labyrinth is based on. And then now we have, we're recording this um, just before the Easter Paschal rites mm. that are founded on that very, very ancient um, millennia of mythos uh, that is about that descent and ascent of the soul and the resurrection and rebirth uh, potential that's implicit in the spring equinox energies that, you know, we've just been moving through. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And also brings me to ancient, ancient Egypt, where it also has uh, rooted with Isis and Osiris and their resurrection myth. And when you speak about this and, and also as an embodied path, like walking the embodied path of the rose. What I like so much about it is that we truly reclaim the underworld and just the whole journey, really. Whereas from the patriarchal um, religions and, and viewpoints is the only thing that is quote unquote good is to ascend, is to go up high, 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 mm -hmm. leave the body, right? Mm -hmm. Just... Um, don't don't bother with anything on earth because that's dirty and not pure not holy so let's just ascend and um that's when we're good but actually when we trace back to the way more older stories and myths that we have and that have just you know um 
transformed and grew over time, we can actually see that there's, there's both. And of course, how could there not be both? Because that's literally everyone's experience. <laughs> Everyone experiences both highs and lows and everything in between. And that's what I love so much about it is that consciously walking that. And then you have the eight month or the 18 months um, Venus synodic period where you can do that consciously, but then also, you know, in, in the with the moon where it's like on a monthly basis, or if you're a, a woman who's still in her cycling years, that also happens. And that's what I love so much about it. It's just the same kind of template on different scales. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing the heritage that we've received and how we can, and maybe you can speak about that, how you and your work as well, how you reclaim the gifts of our ancestors instead of just settling for the distorted version that we've received from patriarchy. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's my life's work and my soul's. My soul's work in this lifetime is, is to uh, peel back those layers of patriarchal distortion and manipulation until we get to the original core teachings and then to share those for the healing and empowerment of people and especially my work for women. Um, so that that has been my life's work really since I was doing my master's degree um, back in the 1990s. Um, and, and, and then later PhD research because I was so... Um, I remember age 19, I think I was studying the Roman and Greek myths and I was studying the um, medieval mystics. And I remember just calling my father and saying, why is God male? And that really was my kind of beginning of my path, my initiation onto my path of just questioning this. Um, and at each stage along my way, I have had to really um, dive in deeply to, to these themes from quite a political angle, because, you know, I've always been um, very passionate about women's rights. And I remember, like, for example, when my daughters were baptized and just all the pronouns that were being used within the church were he and God and father. And um, I was, I was just, on a mission really to bring back goddess, the divine feminine, um, the mother, and to really reclaim our pagan ancestors, original mythos and teachings that the later Christian Gnostics are completely founded on um, for the healing and empowerment of predominantly from my life's work, um, our daughters and for women, so that they can really feel that there is a divinity of their reflection, mm. you know, um, that is potentially much more accessible to them as a divine feminine or as a divine mother um, than some distant father sky god. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, that landed for me as well. And especially also the permission of being full woman. Also mm -hmm. connecting with your inner Arashka girl, who is the shadow sister that lives in the underworld, who doesn't always look like the pretty picture. And then in the patriarchal world, as women, we're always asked to be, well, it's the split also of the Madonna and the whore, you know, Magdalene Mary, that split that later um, was 
put on them. Whereas through working with you, we kind of get to see that that's probably not what they meant. <laughs> that's probably not their intention of, you know, enacting and reenacting these, um, these deeper storylines. And that's also where doing this work and retracing, retracing these myths and connecting with these ancient archetypes and these goddesses throughout history is such an coming home like you say and it's it's like from the divine feminine point of view is that we have all these masculine things and way of being masculine that is being opposed on us and when we trace that for ourselves or follow people like you or you know do do kind of these courses where we really get to know the goddess and all her faces it's really getting to know us in all mm. our faces and in mm. life and um it is super helpful because we i feel to me it transformed my life from being very criticizing and trying to put myself into a mold of the patriarchal good girl into mm -hmm. just allowing myself to be all. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's, I mean, for me, that's the kind of the, the other primary myth of the Rose lineage is the myth of the sacred marriage. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and, and we see that both in the union and the sacred marriage between those male and female parts of us, the left brain and the right brain, but it's also a sacred marriage between our own inner light and dark, our own mm. inner light and shadow. And it is absolutely a reclamation of all the shadow archetypes and energies and emotions and behaviors. Um, and that's why as a transpersonal therapist, I've worked so deeply with, with Jungian theories as well in the theory of individuation, because um, it is just, for me, the most powerful way of working with myth and archetype is to use them to bring our own psyche into balance mm. by gathering those fragmented parts of the self that are so evident in that ancient Isis Osiris mythos um, of the resurrection. And, you know, gathering those fragmented parts of our psyche, bring, loving them back into wholeness um, in as opposed to what patriarchal society um, expects of us, which is to completely reject us for them, you know, and to deny them. Mm -hmm. And the more we deny them and are ashamed of them, the louder they're going to shout. So mm -hmm. um, for me, this, you know, this path of the Avalon Rose is very much a reclamation of our own uh, psyche, of our own fragmented parts that patriarchal society have banished, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And that's, I, I really experienced it as such as walking the path with you. And in my personal life, I've kind of put the spin on it and bringing it into the body and mm -hmm. looking at the menstrual cycle and the feminine body from that point of view is where it's the same, you know, it's, it's also these light and dark phase, which is not um, synonym for good and bad. It's just, you know, ovulation and menstruation. It's like the two streams. And then, of course, if we're speaking about Avalon, that always, always, always brings me back to the two streams, the two water streams, the white and the red flow. And I'm just following and bringing like this union that they create together. And we can also in the body then reclaim the story of what patriarchy said what it means to be a woman in a feminine body. Actually, it's not just suffering or it's not. I remember one time you told that when, if, if it's okay, if I bring this in, <laughs> um, after you gave birth to your daughter, that the priest came to your bed 
to cleanse you of the dirtiness that it was to give birth is like that's life celebrate life and that's where you know we really get to reclaim that and the work that you're doing and the 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 true rose lineage um mythos and embodied experience really does celebrate that life Mm, absolutely yeah yeah you're referring to a christian custom which is called churching which is still offered to women and it was offered to me by by a lovely um priest um and it's a it's a tradition where a woman is invited to church six weeks after giving giving birth um to be purified Mm -hmm. from the basic you know toxins and dirt of giving birth before she's um deemed to be pure enough to enter back into the church (laughs) and um yes and and you know this this path is is about actually stripping back that distortion which is a patriarchal distortion of the original purification rites um that would have been given to a woman um post-birth in a completely different way they would have been given in a completely honoring way Mm. um of of the birthing process and the mothering process and um uh, and we see that at, at Imbolc and in the purification rites that the Lupercalia are based on. Mm. And, and this is, you know, again, it's twisted into can, the uh, concept of Candelora, where there is a need to purify, um, whereas actually it's based on much older rites, which are about empowering the people to rise up against tyranny. Mm. Um, and so this is what I find so fascinating about the work is it's once we start to peel back these layers of patriarchal distortion and get to the origins, uh, they become such powerful tools, you know, for, for our own empowerment, especially as women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And then also by proxy, the men that are near us in our life. um, I've noticed that for me, I was only able to attract a true King kind of, um male when i did my inner work when i did my inner um harmony between my inner masculine and feminine because of course today because we're so being so pushed as women to be in our masculine because god was a male for such a long time and we don't really know what it's like to be a true woman if we're so much in our masculine of course and if you're in a hetero relationship um heterosexual desires right it's hard to attract a man because you're you're so much in your masculine yourself that there is no space for him to step up so i also feel that this work and this divine feminine work it is also in service of the men outside um yeah yeah no i completely agree with you diane because the only way ahead is through that sacred marriage Mm -hmm. um energetically and uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely know in myself that I had to reach a point of empowerment within me where I was completely self-sufficient and completely embodying the Virgin Warrior mm. uh, in order to then, from that place of self-sufficiency and, and complete independence, then open to a warrior who was as strong as me and could meet me. Mm. Um, 
Um, but it is so important that we do that work on ourselves. But it doesn't mean we have to do that work on our own. I think there's, I, I often feel that that's really misinterpreted. I think we we can do that work through our relationships, yeah. you know, rather than just on our own um, or, or a combination of both. But there is a point definitely in my experience that you get to where you are absolutely ready to call in that warrior to come and meet you you know in their utter strength and in your strength um and then you're less likely to have a codependent relationship because you're both so self-contained mm -hmm, indeed or if it becomes codependent you're very quick at catching it and then yeah. inviting both but from that love again right yeah. seeing the shadows how they play out and then resurrect them into the light which is just another way of the rose lineage incarnate yeah. um in the daily life <laughs> yeah. so yeah. that to me also is a life of a priestess right everything just becomes living myth um, absolutely yeah. absolutely and I know we, that we've talked about this a lot, but um, and you, you just touched on it about when we're so in our warrior, it's like, you know, there isn't space mm. for that warrior to come in. And, and there is something about needing those strong warriors in our lives so that we can then rest back into more of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, that's, that's, you know, the interplay of the inner sacred marriage and then the outer sacred marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and um, bringing it into like a practical visual thing that comes to mind is that um, also it will help, I feel, many women to release and relax. Because yeah. many women do struggle with that, right? High achievers, mm -hmm. always doing, mm -hmm. doing, doing, mm -hmm. working full time, taking care of the house and the kids full time mm -hmm. or like all that stuff. And then um, there is a part of it where, yes, we get to ask the men around us to step up mm -hmm. into their warrior king energy, but also there's a part where we can do our inner shadow work and release control. Mm, totally. Um, mm -hmm. totally. And when they create that, that incredibly strong container for you, then, it, you know, they give you that opportunity and that grace to be able to just rest back. Yeah and be more in the creative divine flow yes I remember that very vividly it was um once before I met my partner I had a lover and he he wanted to play music and all that stuff you know and I was sitting there in the bed and every time he was doing something or reaching his hand to to do something to get the whole atmosphere right I kind of got up and I was like uh, on the edge of my seat of like helping and he turned to me and said you really don't know how to receive do you I was like, mm. but it was such a playful and yet very firm kind of like, I got you, don't do anything yeah. that I was just invited to, okay, my yeah. job here is to receive. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. And that is really hard, especially for us fire signs. I know we were talking about it before we went on live, but um, yeah, absolutely. Just learning to receive mm -hmm. and yeah. um, release, you know, and just yeah relax back into that strong container that the warrior you know creates mm -hmm. yeah another thing that i really wanted to speak to you about as well is your um the growing of the avalon rose chapel mm -hmm. you know as i am a practitioner of the avalon rose chapel i find it 
well, I really wanted to take this opportunity to speak about also that vision that you had. Maybe take us through the journey because we all love a journey of transformation. <laughs> Um, of how that idea kind of seeded and how right now you're actually living and harvesting the fruits um, mm -hmm. of that beautiful vision of the Avril Rose Chapel and how, you know, what, what is it here for people mm -hmm. that are listening are like, hmm, what is it? What is it about? <laughs> so, um, well, I had the vision. So uh, my second daughter was probably around about two one or two and I had relapsed into postnatal depression and self-medicating with alcohol after her birth um following four years of nursing my eldest daughter through about 12 operations mm -hmm. and during my recovery journey from depression and addiction um I really went through that journey of becoming the spiritual warrior of becoming deeply empowered I mean to be honest it was the hardest thing I've ever done was getting sober and I then went on to train as a transpersonal therapist and I remember sitting in my parents rose garden mm. and having a vision that one day I would train a circle of women around the world to deliver a course for the healing and empowerment of women. And at that time I was working for the UK's largest mental health charity and I was writing and running um, self-empowerment courses really for the service users. And I was so struck by the level of trauma, abuse, neglect, domestic violence, you know, you name it, what these women had been through. And I was also, uh, you know, interacting with a lot of mothers in hospital um, through my journey with my children um, who had suffered equally a lot of trauma related to the womb, pregnancy, loss, uh, miscarriages, infertility. And I just felt so driven and inspired to create a course that would help as many women as possible to heal and to become empowered and to really recognize that the beauty of their own soul and of their own soul's journey and their own gifts because I had had to journey so deeply with shame um a complete lack of self-worth um and I really wanted to harness my own healing journey and what I have been through and use it to help as many women as possible. But I knew from my work that there was a limit to how many women I could reach on my own. Mm. And so I had this vision, which I think is 18 years ago now, um, that one day I would, you know, train these women. And, um, and it was just absolutely incredible last year to run the first year's of Long Rose Chapel practitioner training. And you're all such immense women. I mean, it was such a privilege and an honor to have you all on the training because I trust each and every one of you implicitly to be able to go out there and deliver this course on behalf of the Avalon Rose Chapel and to use your unique soul gifts and experience and wisdom and knowledge um, and stories, your life stories, your stories of survival. Um, to help other women 
to heal and to become empowered. So um, I am just, just in the process of doing the final touches to the new Avalon Rose Chapel website, which will be launching soon. Um, and then we, there'll be a special directory on there for all the practitioners and priestesses um, uh, giving links to where they are delivering the course in their countries or online. Um, and obviously I'm running the practitioner training again this June. So it's, it's this incredible feeling of having brought what was originally just a little spark of inspiration 18 years ago, sitting in a rose garden mm. and bringing that into eventual fruition and then seeing how it begins to blossom and the orchard begins to grow mm -hmm. um, and and feeling that ripple effect out through the women who will be touched. And I think for me personally, it's incredibly moving because my own story um, as a child sexual abuse survivor and then also my story with my children and their suffering, who I've nursed through 19 operations now, is at the absolute core of this course and so for me this is about being the living embodiment of the myth of Sophia mm. that it is in our darkest times it is in those stories of survival that we find that light that gift of greater wisdom compassion strength courage that we can then carry out into the world in order to light the way for others and for me personally, that is a huge part of how I come to terms with A, my own trauma, but probably more importantly, my children's trauma, mm -hmm. is if I can turn that trauma into gold, literally, alchemize it, the lead of suffering into gold and share that gift with others for their own healing and empowerment, then that really helps me you know, come to terms with what I see as is a soul sacrifice, really, mm. um, in my children. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's been like a, a, well, literally a dream come true. <laughs> Not like it literally has been a dream come true. So, um, and I feel very excited about um, the chapel community and Continuing, I mean, for many years now, we've been raising funds for charity and I've been campaigning on mental health, um, on disability, on women's rights, um, which I will continue to do um, and through the chapel um, and the whole community of priestesses and practitioners to hold more uh, by donation events like the Resurrection Rights this weekend so we can keep raising awareness um, helping other people to heal and empower, um, become empowered, but then also give to the charities who help severely vulnerable people within our communities. Mm, yeah. Mm, that just, I got chills, the whole story. Um, and that's what I meant with, with, with you. It's so deeply embodied. And as you said, that sophianic descent and ascent of the soul of this, that has been your life. And um, it's, it's so inspiring, truly, to just with anyone, because I know like from the other practitioners, but anyone really, we've all been through the pains and, and the separation, right? That the really deep separations that life can bring. 
-hmm. and I can only imagine if if it's your children right that that is so oftentimes when you told your story it brought tears to my eyes because it's it is such a devastating Mm. um yeah devastating thing to go through but and then my journey it was losing my mother as a child which again you know as a child you never think about these people leaving you and so that again is like that you come face to face with the separation but then the rose lineage and this course that will be offered very soon these are ways to go through it but not denying the shadow not pretending that oh everything is all right let's just put a stopper on it and continue with our life work really hard and no it's moving through it like you say and that's that's to me the biggest gift of the rose lineage and that's why i love so much working with the dark goddess whom sophia is one face of is that in that deepest darkness when you feel so alone she will be there mm. and holding you mm. and kind of cradle you mm. because she is that darkness in a way she is that void she is that allness and even if we feel so alone she's still there i know you work a lot with lilith as well as that um, archetype who goes into the wilderness that when you feel so abandoned still there are these bigger forces there to hold us and if we listen to our soul who really wants to continue with life you know we get to grow we get to ascend and then we come into that cyclical motion again that the venus path is all about that the rose lineage path is all about and it's so inspiring also to be part of the avalon rose chapel and in this way as you say not just for ourselves but also through raising awareness for others who might not be walking the priestess path, but are also feeling the separation and then raising awareness for that. And I think that's amazing as well, because where a lot of the rose lineage things online, it's very outside of like, it's hard to, to get to because the, the prices, for example, are so high. And that's what I love about the Avalon Rose Chapel is that, yes, it is, um, very high quality <laughs> like there's no no spare on quality whatsoever and what's been put into and it's really lived and it's soul offering and yet it, there's also parts that are very accessible to everybody who wants to and it's not about ooh, building the the pyramid again it's really about opening up the pyramid in all levels and that's again very very proud to be part of it <laughs> oh thank you darling yeah that it's interesting you touch on that because it's it's so important and obviously you know as um business owners you know we have to create an income i have yes. to bring the money in to pay the bills and, and and feed my kids and everything but i never ever want anything that i or the chapel offers to be exclusive and so that's why and I know we talked about this on the practitioner training ways of inclusivity it's like I will always offer scholarships I'll always offer really long-term payment plans so that you know every every person every woman um regardless of her financial status can Mm -hmm. attend a training or you know come to a buy donation event Mm -hmm. where she literally just gives what she can um and it is it's so important you know and 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 it is and again like you say it's also about honoring ourselves as well yes you know 
Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not saying like, oh, let's not charge anymore because I also feel like as, you know, establishing a, a business in coaching industry is that oftentimes people feel like you charge too much, but that's mm -hmm. because there's so much going into that on the back end, like years and years of training and then maintaining it. Like <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. So of course there are different levels and you can't like offer everything for free because then that's, again, it's just another distortion. I feel of um, spiritual people shouldn't earn money for their work. They should give it all for free. That's not what we're saying. But what I do find very important, as you said, offering scholarships or these kind of step zones is because when we're working with that deep myth of resurrection in the embodiment, often women who are attracted by it are in a state where they're not in that super empowered, mm -hmm. abundant state, but yet they have that vision, they have that desire. And that's where your story as well. It's like sitting all those years back in that rose garden when you had that vision, mm -hmm. maybe the, the financial abundance was not there yet, mm -hmm. but then having these teachers and these stepping stones along the way where there is an entry point that mm. is so important and that's mm. also why i love to always include something like that as well and also because i've traveled to other countries like in the balkan state and honestly if we're charging in euros mm. you make it very inaccessible for people who mm. live in lira or other mm. uh monetary amounts right so this is also anyway we're yeah. going into a rabbit hole here <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. but it, it is and I think it's and it's also very much a personal choice like I have a lot of women who really resonate with my story as a mother and a carer um, who approach me um, who I give scholarships to because I understand the place they're in there is no way they can be earning you know, money when they are caring 24-7 for a disabled child, for example. Mm. And I've been in that place for years. And so it, it it's a complete gift for me, actually, to be able to give someone like that a scholarship and give them the opportunity to, to train with me. Um, yeah. mm, beautiful. Oh, then that brings me to like, okay, so two more things. <laughs> One thing that, as you said, as a mother who has been caring for your children, who had this huge journey, um, also people who want to know more. There's many podcasts and whatsoever where Annabelle goes in depth on it. Today, it didn't really show up, but I trust that the divine flow and everything. But one part, what I really love to for you to bring in, because whenever I'm working with mothers, I, I give you as an example. <laughs> is the story of how you wrote your serpent's novel your your book your novel the serpent's tale mm -hmm. it is so inspiring and so i'm just gonna offer you the space to share it and how you just took your time but persevered and got it anyway as a busy mother <laughs> i always refer to this in my teachings because you know we all have these visions and as a Sagittarius, I'm always giving myself really tough deadlines and goals and then I never hit them, you know, because I have so many different responsibilities. Um, but yes, so I was doing my PhD. I was in my third year of PhD research when I gave birth to my eldest daughter, Sophia, and she was born requiring life-saving surgery at birth and then a further 12 operations. So I had to give up my PhD research. Um, and it was in the nights when I was breastfeeding her once she was out of intensive care. And these characters just started coming to me in the dream time. Um, and, and they really 
told me the story in these nighttime breastfeeds when I was just sitting on my own with her. Um, and then I actually began to write the book when she was four months old. And I basically took all my PhD research where I was specializing in, in looking at um, goddess paganism and then how the Roman Catholic Church at that time or the Roman Church as it was known then um, took that mythos and those teachings and corrupted and manipulated it. So I was really comparing it with feminist theology as well. Um, and a lot of the amazing feminist theologians who are really, you know, have done the most incredible work at, at beginning to strip back those layers of patriarchal manipulation. Um, and I took all that uh, research I'd done and I began to channel it and weave it into the writing of The Serpent's Tale. And it actually took me nine years to complete the writing of The Serpent's Tale because I could only write when my daughters were asleep, um, having their afternoon nap. And, um, and when um, I published it, I was six months pregnant with Zach and uh, we had just moved down to Glastonbury and I gave um, a talk at the Goddess Conference at the book launch. And I very naively thought that we had been through, you know, all the challenges we needed to as a family. And, and there I was sort of saying, and this is what the Black Goddess Sophia taught me. <laughs> and the whole of the mythos I, I explore in The Serpent's Tale and, and you know, the myth of Sophia is all about you know, finding that light, our light of gnosis within the shadow of our survival stories. And then it was like I had literally thrown down a gauntlet to life. And then three months later, I gave birth to Zach and he was born with an even uh, more complex uh, syndrome. And he was born unable to breathe, feed, speak or smile. And we spent many, many months on that bridge between life and death with him. Um, so the serpent's tail is... An, a, a weaving of my academic research and then my deeply lived embodied experience of that repeated sophanic descent and ascent of the soul. And even in the publication of it, little did I know that that was actually an initiation into an even deeper um, spiraling uh, descent and ascent of the soul. And I think that for me, when, when I... Um, opened the doors of the Glastonbury Gnostic Chapel on Beltane 2018, so five years ago, literally before I'm about to launch the, web, the new website now, which is amazing. Um, that was such a powerful day for me. And I think it had been a 19 year journey by that point. And just seeing how, um, you know, we can have these dreams and these goals and these visions, but ultimately we don't really have any control over how they are going to weave through our lives and and there is so much about trust and surrender within that creative process it's like we can have that spark of inspiration and then we just need to let it go we need mm. to release our illusion of control over it because it will although we have to you know take those logical practical uh, positive steps, action steps, we also ultimately have to trust and surrender to any creative process as a co-creation with the divine. You know, the best 
creations are where we become empty vessels for the divine to move through us really mm. and then therefore we have to surrender to their timeline <laughs> and not our own <laughs> yeah yeah totally but i love that story and i love also how you've it, it to me it really also gives so much permission to mothers of taking that 30 minutes while they're napping not to clean the house but mm. to do something with your creativity. So you've had that spark, then you surrender, but surrendering sometimes also means taking action on that and yeah. not always cleaning and trying to control, right? But it's just like yeah. surrendering and let the creativity flow through. And then yes, the nine years, that's where I can learn from you is where I also, I think it's my Aries, like I want it now, right now, right now. But yeah. things take time and especially solid, building something solid it takes time and especially okay, something solid, but also something if you work with these goddesses, as Sophia, who are backing you, there, there's only truth there. Anything mm. that is not truth kind of is mm. obliterated and cannot mm. withhold. And so, yeah, mm. I love, but I love the story of how you wrote The Serpent Cell and I loved the book so, so much. Mm. I really, I really do. There's a, an, a, beautiful dream that I have is if I could like if I would do the courses in person I really want to have a stack of your books and just sell them here in Belgium <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're so amazing oh. uh, so this is also a shout out to everyone who's listening you can find it on Amazon or on Annabelle's um, website it's a book about the witch burnings and especially as women you know this is something that we're healing right now we're reclaiming we're alchemizing into gold these stories and I cried so much but it was was crying for from release kind of mm -hmm. everything that was held in the body and it was just released and mm -hmm. new timeline right new mm -hmm. timeline of mm -hmm. shining and standing in our power oh thank you so much darling it was it was truly a labor of love <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but you are absolutely right my love I mean what you were just saying to other mothers is is I was I was brutal with my boundaries like I had between one and two hours a day when when they slept um and I wouldn't take emails I wouldn't look at my phone I just shut the door I refused to do any housework nothing and I just wrote um, or when I was painting, I just painted. And 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 it is about just, yeah, nurturing that inner creatrix and giving yourself full permission. You know, she she is an essential part of surviving motherhood. You know, mm. she needs that time to express herself. Mm, yeah, yeah, so beautiful. And I really desire all the mothers who are listening to fully reclaim this, take this as a permission slip and reclaim your creatrix. Um, yeah, and call upon the kings if they're present too. <laughs> Help Absolutely. so you can create. <laughs> we need it, the world needs it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right, that brings me to the last question, which is something that I ask every guest, and that is if everyone would be living a cyclical way, so whether that is following the rose lineage or just following the seasons and 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 um the moon which you follow as well um how would the world look paint a picture oh <laughs> it would be my the first word that came to mind was harmony yes harmony if you know living consciously with those cycles and rhythms for me brings harmony 
and it brings meaning mm. to the flow of energies through your life you know i mean i know because when you're walking with me in the rosemary membership i mean we're now on the third 19 month cycle of venus and it's just incredible you know to witness how the energies of the venus and the lunar cycle move through us every lunation um yeah. and we see that within our circle shares don't we how you know very similar things will be happening in people's lives and um and i think it just it gives for me it just gives a real purpose and meaning mm -hmm. um and definitely as someone who um walks in nature as much as i can the seasonal cycles like the wheel like consciously living with the wheel of the year and um I, you know, when I did my Priestess of Avalon training back like 22 years ago, that was when I was introduced to the Celtic Wheel of the Year. And then I um, blended that with my knowledge of the Gnostic calendar and the Rose Mysteries. Mm. And so my own Philosophia Wheel of the Year, I've been following now, you know, for what decades. And I think I would feel a bit lost if I didn't have that. It's like my inner compass. It's mm. like, it 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 really creates a structure and a flow for the annual cycle. You know, that's also then weaving with the longer nineteen month Venusian cycle. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I think they are. I think when we work cyclically, we're working very consciously with the energies, and that gives more meaning to mm -hmm. our lives and to our interactions yeah yeah i really really resonate with what you're saying and as you were speaking about the wheel of the year um persephone and demeter just came popping up which is another myth of the rose lineage which is based on that uh, wheel of the year um right but truly and i love how almost everybody says harmony the first thing that comes to mind is like harmony and that yeah, it, it really does. Um, cyclical living brings harmony and that compass. I experienced that as such as well. And as you said, the meaning, yes, and also the ability to create the life that you desire. Because right? if you're consciously working with that growth and that shedding, which is what we do in the moon ro um, rose moon grove, where you know your membership mm -hmm. is very conscious, becoming very conscious of what you're growing and what you're releasing to be mm -hmm. the soul version of you. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. Yeah. all right thank you so much for this beautiful deep conversation oh, so welcome my love and i just want to deeply honor you you know in how you have used your own trauma your own you know deep deep wound from your loss of your mother and you have harnessed that and you are now shining such a light of gold and healing for other women now working you know with their menstrual cycles and their bodies and yeah i just want to deeply honor you in your own path of gnosis and mm -hmm. how you have transformed the light of your suffering into the gold of the wisdom that you are now sharing with the world thank you <laughs> blessed be blessed be I want to thank you for listening to this episode, my love. If you feel inspired to work with me on a deeper level, then I invite you to check out my offers on my website, wildrosemysteryschool.com, 
or through Instagram where you can find me as deuce.sarah. And for now, sending you much love and cyclical bliss. Bye-bye.